Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know, I'm starting to feel very aggrieved about the weather over the last couple of days. We have had pure muck since about Tuesday and last night at the Ivy Gardens in Dublin that wonderful glorious sunshine for James Vincent McMorrow in concert and so I just felt so delighted to see a live gig happening again couldn't believe by the way that the Twitter cesspit is already bubbling with Look at them agents standing in their pond and the rest of it. No, it was just great to get a gig again. I can't wait to go to a gig myself very, very soon. We're talking actually later to someone who was actually at that gig in the Ivory Gardens last night. Just looked like a perfect evening out with great music and a great atmosphere and bright sunshine. Perfect, perfect, perfect in so many, so many ways. Uh, Speaking of perfect we'd all love our children to eat perfectly to have a perfectly balanced diet to eat everything we put in front of them but you know and I know anyone who's had a child anyone who's been a child that's all of us or anyone who's presently trying to raise a child knows what it's like to have a fussy eater in the house it can be an absolute nightmare fair play to my two they were always good always good the boy was far more adventurous and still is more adventurous than his sister but they will try anything and they always would try anything but if you've got a a problem with a fussy eater whether they're 3 or 13 we will be talking to an expert later in the programme talking to a paediatric nutritionist and dietitian about fussy eating so if there's anything on your mind about the eating habit of a child in your house. You can text us at 083-396-9696 or fling it to WhatsApp voice message or whatever you want to do. 
anyone in your house that just won't eat what you know is good for them? Do carrots get flung to the floor? Do spuds get flung to the floor? Do they refuse to eat anything except pasta? All problems in the house. So we'll be discussing that this Friday morning for anybody who's got a child that won't, that just won't eat or won't eat what you give them. So any fussy eater problems like that, give us a call at uh, 1857-15996 or pop us a text or WhatsApp to 083-396-9696. First of all, though, I was chatting to somebody recently, just briefly, who's concerned that they may be facing a rent increase, quick smartish, uh, at the first opportunity for their landlord to impose one. And let's face it, first opportunity most landlords will get to impose a rent increase, they're going to do it. Some of them need to impose a rent increase. To be fair, they have bills to pay too. We should never forget that. But at the same time, in the middle of a pandemic, people are very nervous that the rent is going to be jacked up. Cabinet announced a couple of days ago, the, the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, said that he was extending protections for those who are financially impacted by the pandemic. It means that anyone who's in arrears or any risk of homelessness can't face rent increases or evictions until at least January of 2022, which on the face of it sounds like good news because you sit back and you think, that's grand now. No one's going to get evicted and the landlord can't put up the rent until at least January. And you sit back and you think, ah, that sounds like good news. But then those of us who happen to live in their own houses and are not trying to struggle in the rental market, well, we don't get it, do we? Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn, good evening, or good morning, rather. Good morning, TJ. How are you this morning? Very well, sir. And we don't get it, do we? It looks good on the face of it. You know, when, when, I, heard it, yeah, when I heard it first, uh, when it hit the, or broke in the, the national media, I said, oh, that's great. And then you start reading the, the, the cabinet documents and the, and the, the complexity of the rules. It, like this extension of power, uh, that you cannot be evicted only applies to people that have already declared that they have a problem and paying their rents because of COVID. I'll be honest with you, PJ, every day of the week, I'm getting telephone calls from people that are on the Cork City housing list, that are on the Cork County Council housing list, um, that have received letters from landlords saying that they're terminating their, their tenancy. I've had people on the RAS scheme that have had their tenancies terminated and the Cork City Council or the Cork County Council haven't been informed by that landlord. I've had landlords go in and increase people's rent and illegally, but people are being forced into the idea of that I better pay the landlord because I'm going to be out on the street. We now know that there is a huge shortage of supply of rental homes and quality rental homes, both for, for, for people that are uh, unemployed up to those the uh, the executives that have moved into Cork working for the likes of Apple etc so the, you know it's 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 a supply and demand problem yeah. first of all who sprung to my mind in particular Ken would be people who throughout the pandemic they've managed to make ends meet mm-hmm. they've managed to meet that rent bill every month and they've probably and I you know it's it's not uncommon that You'd, you'd, you'd eat noodles and toast for three or four days just to make sure that you can meet that rent bill. Yeah. They're just I, getting I, I, there. And then the landlord comes in and whacks them with a 100 quid a month increase. I, I, 
I had this situation uh, this week where I have a lady who's in her 70s who lost her home a number of years ago um, because of a family separation sort of thing and, you know, is in now in a rental situation. But on an income of, of, her, of her retirement pension, which is the state pension, uh, paying, paying a huge rent and has to choose on a regular basis which bill is going to be paid uh, this month, which bill can she put into arrears and pay a little bit off. And the struggle and, you know, the stress in this woman's face was just unbelievable mm. like at that age to be but she's coping and some, sometimes barely, you hear but, you know, but Ken, barely coping they're and, barely coping you know, but isn't there's know, an old if, saying if, in if life Ken comes up or if, if she has to go to a doctor she has to choose whether she's going to pay the rent or pay a doctor yeah. you know that shouldn't at that age you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't have to do that you know yeah. you've worked all your life you've done all the right things you're getting a state pension uh, and you know it's very very tough on people like that I, I have to say DJ you know we had a great opportunity with the pandemic and I suppose opportunities may be the wrong word but the government did have the opportunity to move tenancies and to move tenancy protection to more online with what's happening in mainland Europe uh, and what's happening in, in, in central Europe you know giving people permanencies as well and giving people securities um, Look, we we do know we're 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 a country, an open economy. We, you know, people are in business, and the best of luck to them, landlords and the whole lot. But we have to be fair to people. I, you know, I'm in contact with the threshold on a regular basis, and the amount of illegal evictions that are happening, the amount of people that have gotten to their homes to find that the doors are the locks are changed, mm. and the amount of people who've had water turned off in them, electricity turned off in them which is illegal, that has happened and that is happening today to people and the amount of people that are paying uh, that are getting um, the rent allowance, that are paying extra money out of their social welfare, that are, that are struggling to choose as I said, choose between food and choose between rent yeah. and that is a reality of what's happening out there. Yeah. But in terms of the supporting holding the supports in place until January, I think the point that certainly stands out to me is you already have to be in arrears and you already have to have made a declaration. But I'm yeah. thinking in terms of, and many, many, no many... provision whatsoever for the guy next week that is going to go into arrears. Correct. People who are coping, the coping classes, as they call them. Yeah. The people who just about manage, who just about get by. You know, you don't so much make ends meet as hope that at least wave at each other. Yeah, Do you know, and, and that's right. And there's and thousands that's right. and that's of those the people big, out there, that's, Ken. That's what that, where the big problem that I see in this new legislation, or this extension of the legislation, it doesn't allow for something to go wrong in my life. Um, that where it's COVID effective, uh, that you know my business has closed down, or, or I get COVID uh, and I have to close, I can't work for a number of weeks. I have to go into isolation, etc. It doesn't account for any of that and doesn't facilitate any mm. of that for people going forward. Now, uh, I guess I, we should also, and we have to take up at least a bit of balance and say it's not been an easy time for landlords either because some of them have lost businesses and some of them have lost income and they have to make their ends meet and they have to pay their mortgages on the properties. So you can see where they're coming from too. I can, I can indeed, but you know there are the look. There's accidental landlords out there, people that were stuck with property and are renting it out because of, you know, going back to 2008 and the fall of property and all that sort of stuff. There's those that have it as their retirement plan. And by the way, PJ, there's some excellent landlords out there as well. Yeah, some absolutely. Pretty good stories absolutely. about 
fellas that are, are men and women that own properties and have helped tenants out because they're a good tenant and, you know, they don't want to lose them and, you know, they'll, they'll put in a co, uh, you know, look, you'll, you'll owe me a couple of bob next month or we'll pay it off uh, over the next six months. And people have facilitated a lot of people like that as well. A threshold of what their own deals with people. Um, I know as an elected member, I've often picked up a phone and rang in landlord and saying, such and such a person has has a bit of a problem. Can we sit down and talk about it and work something out? And a lot of people are very good about working it out. But then again, on the other side, you do have the rogue landlord that is behaving badly, that is not maintaining property, that is not giving tenants their 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 proper notice, that is telling people that they have to be evicted, that are using the excuse I have a daughter, I have a son coming in buying your uh, taken over the house and then they find out a couple of months later that the house has been re-rented out again for a higher rate. Hmm. And I, I suppose the question has to be asked, Ken, what do you do though? Well, I think you have to look at what the European model is and if you look in Germany where people um, take lease properties for 20, 30 years, you know, there are a high amount of renters, the French as well. Like, the, you know, it's not rocket science as I keep on saying, Peter, you know, we seem to have a copy and paste idea when it comes to the UK. You know, if it's implemented in the UK, the Irish government seems to copy and paste the idea and, you know, it'll do it. That'll do fine for us. And I think when you look at other European countries such as France, such as Germany, Switzerland, uh, up into the Netherlands, all that direction, and how they work on rental accommodation, mm. and how they work on tenure, and how they and how they do their business when it comes to yeah. uh, a population that that more is not not to mind the, not to mind the fact that rents in those countries, uh, with with exceptions, rents are are half or three quarters at least what they, what they are here. They're, they're a lot less. Thank you, Ken Ken O'Flynn, Independent Cork City Councillor. Think of the people who are coping. We all know someone who, through the pandemic, has just about gotten there. Every week, every month, they've just gotten the, through with the food shop. They've just gotten the gas paid. They've just gotten the lecky paid. They've just about managed to get the rent together. We all know them. They're there, the rent is paid, there's food in the larder, the kids are all right. They haven't got a brass bubble until the next pup comes in or the next wage packet comes in. But at least all the bills are covered. Putting up their rent is going to drive them into arrears overnight. There's nothing in that for them. Nothing in this for them at all. And if you go into arrears next month because your landlord has put your rent up this month, there's nothing in there because it's only people who were already in trouble we didn't realise that until we read down into it. 1850 I thought as well we were in rent pressure zones that you can't put people's rent up by more than 4% at the moment. Seems they're still at it though. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Summer. Cork's 96FM presents Cork Midsummer Festival 2021. Get ready for a host of exciting and unmissable digital events and in-person experiences. This special festival edition can be enjoyed online or on your doorstep with something for everyone. Good times, good times, hey. 
Experience CMF online. Bringing theatre, music and dance to the comfort of your home. The City Stage presents From the Port to the Fort. Fantastic outdoor events at the Port of Cork and Elizabeth Fort. For more, see CorkMidsummer.com. Good times, good times. Enjoy the Cork Midsummer Festival, June 14th to 27th. With Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Courts 96 FM. By the way, something that dominated us yesterday after we took a call from Patsy was vaccination schedules and people getting their next or their second jab, particularly AstraZeneca. Uh, that, I think Nyack have now said, right, take it down to eight weeks and HSE will take it down to eight weeks. So everyone should be getting a call sometime soon but we we were inundated with people who who feel left out and we also got loads of other calls about people who are say housebound or bedbound and they're in their 80s and 90s some of them people's grandmothers and grandfathers and they haven't been called yet there's definitely problems there Uh, i've got a couple of messages coming in still and i'll mention them uh, as we go through but at the top of the program i was saying how wonderful it was to see that James Vincent McMorrow gig at the Ivy Gardens last evening in Dublin with 500 people. Now, the Ivy Gardens would hold an awful lot more than 500 people in normal times, but we don't yet live in normal times. And you'll have seen, if you're watching on the news, there was little pods, little squares, and you stood in your square, and there was only 500 people, and they opened the doors, they let them in stages, and you had to book in pods and all of this. That's where we are for the time being. But at least we're back with certain live gigs, tester live gigs. But do you remember last month when we were told about the pubs being able to open outside, outside dining and all the beer gardens and all the great, wonderful beer gardens that are open around town and I'm hoping to spend time in one tomorrow evening going for a couple of pints with a mate or two. Looking forward to that. But what I would love is, and this is a particular, I'm not going to name where it is, but a particularly big and open beer garden that the owner's have spent an awful lot of money putting together. And I'm thinking already, there's a great space, put a fella down the corner, on a stage, with a guitar, just to entertain. I'm not talking about having a hoolie here. Just to entertain. They can't do it, which means these guys are still out of work. And, we st- and we've supported on the opinion line. We've supported our musicians from day one because they were the first to lose work. And it looks like they'll be the last to get work back. And there's huge confusion as well in guidelines and rules and regulations because genuinely they don't have a clue at this point when they will be able to go back to work. To the point where there's a protest now planned for Cork on the 23rd of June, which is Wednesday week at 12 noon. In fact, it'll be a nationwide protest, but one of the organisers here in Cork is saxophonist, musician and all-round nice guy, Gary Bowes. Gary, good morning to you. Hi there, PJ. How's it going? Good, and good to speak with you. It's very unclear what the rules are at the moment, and that's half the problem, isn't it? Yeah, like you just said, you know, it's great to see that really big events are starting to happen in concert halls and arenas. But, you know, just like you said, the the majority of live music that happens in this country doesn't happen in big arenas. It happens in pubs. It happens in beer gardens. And uh, unfortunately we fall under the Falch Ireland guidelines and they have explicitly stated no loud or live music permitted. So 
the government wants to get some live music happening, but they're only focusing on the really, really, really big acts and the majority, the lifeblood of music in this country. It's what makes it really special, I think, is that the musicians are right there, close to you, next to you, equal with you, not really on a big stage away from you. It's intimate. It's lovely. Um, they just gave us one sentence, and it was no loud or live music permitted. Mm. That was it. No roadmap for the future. Nothing. Mm. So we're still locked out of our industry. Plus, it's an indoor and an outdoor ban. And, and as I was saying, and I'm sure you know the, the beer gardens around town and the places that are best suited. There are some fantastic venues now that could quite easily put you in the corner with your saxophone or, or, or Roy Buckley in the corner with his guitar. Just mm. playing a few tunes getting a bit of work for the musicians and getting a bit of it in the open air. And the science would seem to support that being okay. Yeah, um, I think what we've heard is that the government is afraid that if we play music, this will cause others to speak loudly or lean into one another a bit closer. And, you know, we're talking about spreading droplets and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And our line is this. Look, if we can ask the pub goer to regulate some of their behavior along COVID guidelines when they're in the pub, we can most certainly have a musician regulate their own volume levels. We know how to not be any louder than just another table of a group of people just chatting amongst themselves. We know how to do that. Yeah, because in many pubs, you have to do it anyway, where... You can play, but you're told don't be too loud. Right. In, sure. normal, in normal times. Now, I think the question that your group, Cork Music Industry Stands Up, is asking is, was there any consultation between Fulcher Ireland and Neffet recently? From or what we would really like to know, that's a really good question, is uh, Fulcher Ireland contacted the Department of the Arts. Uh, the Department of the Arts said uh, this is based on previous guidance from NEFIT. So we're kind of focusing on that language that they use. They said previous guidance. But then that kind of sounds like to me they didn't ask NEFIT to reconsider the situation that we're in right now. The great uh, over 50% of the adults are vaccinated. Our infection rates are down really, really low. It kind of feels like they didn't even bother to uh, to ask Neffet to reevaluate yeah. their ban on live music, and they've thrown us under the bus. And you were just talking about rents going up. Musicians are workers just like anybody else. A lot of us have kids and mortgages, and we've been locked out of our industry for 15 months. People, musicians, are desperate, mm-hmm. and we're getting screwed over. And I think we, I think we're. We're pretty angry, and that's why we're protesting. This yeah. is the only sector in the economy that hasn't had some type of roadmap to how to do our industry safely or some guideline for the future. That's all we're asking, just like any other sector of the economy. They've had some guidelines and a roadmap to the future. We've got nothing. We just had one sentence, no louder live music permitted. And when the guidelines came out, we went through them here on the program, the, the, the changes from last year are minimal which would lead one to conclude that there were no fresh discussions we just don't know yeah I think um, that's that's going to have the truth is going to have to come out sooner or later yeah yeah, yeah. we don't know so assuming that there's no change and no fresh announcement 
23rd of June at 12 noon. Now, I have to put it to you, Gary, that protests and demonstrations go against public health guidelines as it is at the moment anyway. We take uh, the pandemic very seriously. Um, You know, even when we hopefully one day come back to work, we don't want to put ourselves at risk. We don't want to put others at risk. And particularly with this protest, this is why we have called for a a socially distant, masked up, even silent protest. So we're going to bring our instruments, but we're not going to play a note of music because we want to symbolically show how painful it is um, to have this this silence. You know, Um, I Cork City is really, really dear to my heart. But this city without music is like a city without a soul. And um, so but we are so we understand the the very real threat of 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 COVID-19. So that's why we are going to be um, uh, socially distant masked up and we're not playing any music we're not going to be creating a party atmosphere mm. we want everybody to 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 see that we are professionals and we want to get back to work safely and we don't want to put anyone at risk at this protest either i think as well what you're asking very directly here you and i assume others like jacinta mcintyre and kevin mcdonald and other people like that up the country you're asking a very solid question here gary was there a new consultation what was the answer from that new consultation and if there wasn't a new consultation why wasn't there indeed the language that they're using that they said they're just they kept the live music band based on previous guidance from Neffet that just sounds lazy to me that just sounds lazy and and, and to me it just sounds like they don't care and they and they they feel like we won't protest you know that we won't uh, stand up for ourselves and uh, this is this is what we're doing because we want answers on all that. Mm. You know, you make the point also, Gary, that there are agreed safety regulations for shopping, for eating out, for going mm-hmm. to the hairdresser, but that none for singers, musicians, actors, dancers. Yeah, at the very least, we're just asking for outdoor live music we know we can do that safely like i said we can we can be no louder than than just another group a table of of people having some pints outdoors we know we can do that this is it's already happening all over the world right uh actually live music is coming back to northern ireland on june 21st outdoors and in some capacity uh, if they've got the space if they can keep everybody socially distanced um indoors as well Mm. So Northern Ireland, there's live music happening June 21st. Mm. Even for the summer, I think I get the sense, and from the musicians I speak to, Gary, I know a fair few, even the chance to go and play a few tunes in the open air would be a start. Yes, and even if they lifted the ban tomorrow, we would still be in trouble. Why? I mean, we survived the worst of this pandemic, but I'm not sure our whole industry is going to survive at all because a lot of our work is scheduled so far in advance. You know, weddings are planned years in advance. Um, it's not just a me- and some of us don't all just uh, uh, gig in pubs, you know, so oh, know. it's going to take time for our schedule books to fill up again when we have a plan. So we're just asking for a plan now so we can get started. But it's going to be 
it's not just turning it on and off. It's going to be a very slow process before we're, we're back to being uh, fully able to support ourselves. So one of our clear demands at this protest is if the government won't let us work, they have to support us until they will let us work. And even if they were to end the ban tomorrow, we're going to need some support because it's going to be a while before we're back up to full speed, you know? All right. Listen, good to talk with you this morning. And we'll keep an eye on the protest when it comes up on the 23rd. Gary Bose, morning. Thank you very much. You see, we've always said on this program, the public health guidelines are the public health guidelines. And that we've, stick, we've stuck to that from day one and we'll stick with that today till day dot on this program. But if the guidelines are out of date, and if there was no consultation, not even a Zoom meeting between Falcha Ireland and Neffet, or members of Neffet, then that public health information that's in the document is out of date. It's last year's information. So why would you open up an industry or open up the pubs and the restaurants this year, based on last year's advice, when many things are different. So if there wasn't a consultation, why wasn't there? And if there was, what did that consultation say? It's a good question posed by Gary Boss. 1857-15996. Remember the fussy eaters. We'll be talking about that later on. I'm sure you... Look, <laughs> you can identify with, with it, I suppose. We've all come across it. The four-year-old who just will not touch, will not touch anything green. Or the 10-year-old who insists that the only way they'll eat, the only meat they'll eat is chicken and breadcrumbs. Or, or the, the kid who, who just wants pasta, 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 pasta. They get fussy. And you wonder, what do I do with this? Do I try to force them to eat a bit of cabbage or a carrot or two? Or do I just think, well, they'll get bored and they'll grow out of it? What do you do? Well, we'll have information and advice for you later on this morning. Do you, for example, do you take the easy option? Look, just give him the chicken nuggets again. At least he's eating some kind of meat. Or is it a constant battle at mealtimes? 083 396 96 96. And some of your questions we will put to our expert a little later in the morning. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Cork's 96FM's Be Kind to Your Mind with GP, author and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe. Organisations that really embrace the idea of well-being for their people are the best places to work on a long-term basis, but they also value well-being because really well-being, in terms of well-being, actions speak louder than words. So I think if you're a leader, it's about listening to your people, getting everybody's input, getting people on board, asking people what they want. It's really about valuing, recognizing and rewarding your people as your organization's greatest asset, focusing on people's strengths and supporting, encouraging and empowering people to bring their best selves to work and creating a safe place and space where people can be their best selves. Helping you through COVID. Helping you through COVID. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Quick mensch for some very nice people who were very helpful to a young man yesterday and gave him a most enjoyable experience. Uh, my lad is one of those young people who is entitled to an early vaccine and he got called for it yesterday. Uh, he's only 23, but he's in, because he's in the quarter, cohort where he's entitled to one. And he got called and Julie o- or Jackie O'Leary and all of the team up at COPE where they're running a, a vaccination centre there up uh, they they were just so nice and so sweet and so kind to him yesterday and he really enjoyed his coffee and his club milk uh, he would like to say thanks so thanks to you from, from all of us in Coogan Towers 185715996 some comments on live music I'll get to them but I want to go to Wyon because you know we have this kind of saying here's why we can't have nice things and when you put nice things into your community through effort and they're destroyed it's so upsetting and particularly when those nice things were put there by your elderly parents Wyan, good morning, what happened? Good morning PJ Yeah, they, they, they've always had some planters outside the boxes outside the front of the church and my parents decided one of them was completely knackered kaput um, and they decided they'd replace it, and they did, and they planted it up beautifully. This um, is in Glenmire now? In Glenmire's Church of Ireland Church. Yeah. Um, I mean, like like many of the volunteers in churches these days, most volunteers are, a lot of them are fairly elderly. There's not much youth doing it. Um, but they planted them up beautifully and went away, and they came back yesterday, and some lovely person had kicked it over. Now, it, it's heavy. It's, it's, you can probably see it in the picture. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a decent-sized box. It's not something that... Was it made of? Is it wood or plastic it's, or wood? It's pla- well, it's resin. Right. So, heavy. You know, so it's a, hefty, it's a hefty thing. You'd not be... You know, it would have taken a bit of effort on the part of whoever did it to knock, to knock it over. Yeah, it's kind of like a resin stone mix. Right. Um, and poured it all over the thing. You know, they have had before, they have had, all right, where people come in and just remove a few of the plants. Yeah. Um, you know, which given the cost of 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 plants of the of sort of flower box plants, you know, it's not like you're it's not like the cost of fortune. You think they could manage to go and purchase a couple of their own for two yeah. or three euro? Yeah. But yeah. No. See, it sounds to me like these are the kind of people who aren't interested in setting up their own boxes. They just want to <laughs> no, damage other. What also looks? And am I reading from the fo- or Am I reading properly from the photographs? Way on that it was just that one was done. Yeah, for some reason, just that one, the newest one. They didn't. They didn't do those. Now the others are even heavier. So maybe they tried the others and realised there was no moving the others. Whereas this one was just just enough lighter than the two big pots yeah. to to push it over. But I, I just. I mean, it was very. My father was very upset about it because obviously he, you know, he's quite proud of the fact they did it anyway. And and it and it is just for for elderly people to see that sort of thing. I think some of us are kind of well. If you're in the city centre, you're just kind of used to it that people are just. Gobshites, yeah. you know, um, and you're kind of. You, I wouldn't say we dismiss it, but we almost go oh, again. Yeah. Whereas Dad was quite was quite upset by the fact that somebody had managed in only a day or two to destroy it. Yeah. And you he's ninety two. He's ninety two. Yes. Yeah. 
That's so his little doing, his little project with his as his church. Well, and, this is the thing. I mean, you know, he's ninety two. He's been like both parents have been. I'd say they've been volunteering in that church. Well, since 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 I was born. So since they moved to Glenmire, which would be fifty eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean, it's it's just I I don't know. I mean, I it's modern life. I suppose there there. Are, you see, I I wonder why on when you say that, and I know why you do, but. When you say that, it's modern life, that some, oh. as, as you said in your tweet, some scumbag is going to do this, that, that almost gives it a pass. It does, and that's what I said to you is around the city centre. Yeah, we do, we do, we all have a habit of going, oh, for sake, another one. And we shouldn't. I mean, it, it shouldn't be acceptable to anyone. It shouldn't be acceptable to parents that their kids are going out and doing this because you can bet 50 euro that, was, that wasn't a, a, you know, a 25-year-old. That was a 15, 16, 17-year-old out with a couple of his mates thinking, this is a laugh. And but you know what you'll get? If you, you'll also get some hand-wringer going, ah, they've been locked up, it's just a bit of exuberance. Yeah, yeah. which is baloney. I mean, it's, it's, it's been happening for years. I mean, I watched on CCTV, watched two, two people walk past the shop, uh, not a while back, probably five, six, seven years back, walk past the shop late in the evening, a lad and his girlfriend and another couple, and your man leans back, takes a foot and thumps the window on the, the bigger win- bigger glass windows and breaks it. <laughs> no reason, just literally just kind of stepped back and lifted his foot and gave a mighty kick and cracked it. <laughs> You're going, for what? Because it might impress his girlfriend? Yeah, that's, and that is unfortunately the world in which we now live, Wyan, and I, yeah. I, I assume it'll be able to be repaired and put back. Uh, and I mean, my, my wife put it back together again. Good. And, and in fairness, the Glanmire community offered to offered to um, to replant it and everything, but I said, it's fine. They, they, you know, it, had been, it had been repaired. But, you know, you know they'll probably go out and do it somewhere else. But. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. Thank you very much. Wyon from Pinocchio Toys, uh, Glenmire Church planter. His, his parents, like they're in their 80s and 90s. This little act of love for their local community and their church. They put a little planter in to bring some colour and some light and some sunshine. And then some little scut decides, ah, we're going to knock that over and over the last. I won't. I want to talk to Ger Cotter uh, because Ger is about to cycle from Mallon to Mizzen or Mizzen to Mallon in under 24 hours, or try to do it under 24 hours. Why, Jer? Good morning. PJ, how are you? Are you well? I'm very well, sir. Why are you about to do this, you madman? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I think I've lost a class. My, my grandfather said I'm going, I'm, I'm going mad, you're coming. I think that's about the size of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's, 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 it's for a special um, little boy, Dara, uh, who passed away on, on, the, on the 1st of January. Um, and um, I know his parents, Donna and Gillian, very well. And yes. um, I just want to do it in memory of him and to celebrate his life, really. Okay, okay. That's basically it. Um, and to raise um, some, some, some funds for the, uh, the Puffin Award and the CUH and try and you know, make a difference to, to other kids and... Yeah. In the next months, and next few months, and years ahead, you know, and they are but great. They are great people in that ward. Unbelievable, yeah, 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 unbelievable. And uh, they were so good to Dara, and you know, they made such a difference to 
to him and um, you know I know Don and Gillian will always be so grateful yeah. um, eternally grateful for for all the lovely care they gave Derry you know and, and you can identify can't you Ger, where they are yeah yeah so so we Connie and I we, we, we lost our beautiful daughter Megan um, uh, on the 4th of November 1993 so um, yeah so I know the I know the anguish and the pain that there's, there's, um, or I have some idea of the anguish and the pain that that, that both Don and Gillian and Ashling, uh, um, uh, you know, are feeling at the moment. Mm. Yeah, um, the Asher looked at when when something when you when you when you lose a child, you you it's 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 completely unnatural. You you know, mm. if you could swap places with them, you would. But we're meant to go before they are. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but you, unfortunately, you 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 can't swap places with them, and you just have to. Um, accept what happens, um, but they take a piece of your heart with you or with yeah. them, um, and um, and you never get that back. But look, um, uh, yeah, when 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 Meg passed away, um, we, it, it, she was the only child we had at that stage. Um, uh, Jesse and Daniel were born um, after after Meg passed away, so they they never met their sister, but. Um, but she's very much part of the family, and she's mm-hmm. you know we we talk about her all the time. So yeah. um, twenty twenty eight years ago was it? Yeah, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, so oh. it's twenty eight years. Yeah, she'd be actually she'd be twenty nine on the on the twenty third of June this on this you know coming. So right. yeah, and the branches never get easier, do they? No, they don't. And yeah, she was a beautiful, a beautiful little little girl. Like I saw the picture in the Echo. My God. Yeah, she she was impish and <laughs> she had beautiful eyes and everything. So yeah, so yeah, I can I I know how done it. And the the rest of us hope against hope against hope again that we never never have to know how that feels. So you're going from Mizzen to Mallon on a bike. I mean, do you do a lot of cycling? Uh, Look, I I I do. I wouldn't say I'm. I I I, I've 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 done a lot of cycling over the last few years. I've cycled in France and Italy and um, and done the mountains over there and stuff. But I've never done anything as. as long as this, so so we well, we've trained very hard for PJ, and mm. um, you know we've had a, a, a training plan from from a guy called Joe Barr up in up in um, the north of Ireland, and a nutritional plan from his his, his wife Jill, yeah. and without them we'd never have been able to take on this. So so we're yeah. we're well prepared it's for a, it. It's a it's a massive effort, and as you'll know if you've ever been to Mallon, I was there last summer for the first time. <laughs> the last pull up yeah. is murder. I know. Like, it's hard to walk or drive up it. Let alone yeah. cycle up it. Yeah, I, 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 well, if, 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 if we if we get that far, we definitely won't give up at that. Stage. Oh, you won't. No, we tough it out. You know, but you think Patrick? You think Patrick's hill is steep? Like, wait to see this. I know, I know, I know. I've heard about it. I've heard about it. But, but look, the, well, all I'll say to you is the view, the, the view when you get to the top is worth the effort. Do you know? And yeah. you're leaving. So you're leaving. You're leaving Mallon on the nineteenth of June or Mizzen, rather. At what time? Yeah, we we plan to leave Mizzen. Um, on the nineteenth of June, at between eleven and midday, right, and hope to get then to to Mallon uh, at the same time. Now, there's there's always a bit of uncertainty because with the winds, we you the Met Office tell us that there's a very very high chance that we'll have um, south southwesterly winds um, at that time of the year. So Mizzen is is the best place to leave from. You'd have a, a, um, the wind helping you. Yeah. But if you had northerly or northeasterly winds, then the whole thing might have to change, and we might have to actually leave from Mallon. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there a record for it, by the way? Has it been done before? 
Oh yeah, Joe Barr has the record. I think he's done it in in an, um, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure now, but around 19 hours. That's some spinning. That's some spinning. Well, yeah. best of luck with it. We'll share the GoFundMe. At the moment, the GoFundMe stands at thirteen thousand eight hundred. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you yeah, haven't you haven't even turned a pedal in anger yet, like. No, I just and I just wanted to say that PJ, you know, people's generosity uh, is just phenomenal, and um, I'm completely humbled by by yeah. people's people's kindness, and uh, you know, it's it, it, it's really amazing. And yeah. I'd also say that a huge amount of young people, um, you know, friends of Jess and Daniel, and yeah. and, and, and they've they've been unbelievably Great. generous. So you know, so you know, it's a call out for the young people. They're 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 fantastic, really. You know, it's next weekend. I'd love to talk to you uh, after it's done. Uh, good luck with that, and good luck in particular with the last pull up to Mazen, Ma- Ma- Malin. It's it's cruel, but Jared, thank you so much, and good luck. <laughs> The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. See, donations already starting to come in to Jer's GoFundMe, which I think we're sharing. It's already gone up from where it was when he started his conversation with me, which is lovely to see. We have a number of vaccine queries coming in again. Just got a picture from a listener, a picture of their vaccine card. And if I'm reading this correctly, and this was a Pfizer vaccine, this person got their first dose of Pfizer on the 10th of May. And the appointment for their second date is the 6th of August. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Does not make sense. 10th of May, 6th of August is their second appointment date. That makes no sense. I thought you were supposed to get your Pfizer four weeks later. Although maybe there's a mistake on that card. Just looking at it again now. I'll double check that. Lots of people also wondering how do you contact Parky Cueve directly if you need to query about something. Myself and my husband got our first Pfizer four weeks ago. My husband got a text on Wednesday for his second dose for this Saturday. I got none, so I rang the HSE helpline. Oh yeah, you'll be getting yours on Saturday too. But I got no text. I just want to make people aware if they're due their vaccine and they get no text, ring up about it. I wonder if a lot of people are missing appointments over this that's something I wouldn't be at all surprised. And just looking back at that card from the listener who sent it to me, you know who you are. I won't call out your name. It looks to me like someone's written the date in the American format. I would be ringing them now because 06-08-2021 could be the American way of writing the 6th of June or the 8th of June, rather. There's another way. See, they, they do it differently to us. And it could be someone who writes the date differently who did that. Just have a double check that number. Double check it. 1850-715-996. Lovely advertisement leads to a lovely story. A Cork woman 
in her 70s is offering a city centre room and an office space in her home for the right person. The home, she said, is full of books. You have your own social space, you have a bathroom, kitchen, garden for €195 a month, 10 minutes stroll from the bus station. And all this lady wants in return is to spend about 10 hours with her per week. Some evening meals, maybe sit for a chat, and just know that there's someone there in the house for her, for your own, for her own peace of mind. It's a lovely concept, and it comes from an organisation called T-H-E Home Share. Lucy Cunningham, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on. Delighted. T-H-E stands for Together Helping Each Other. I have to say, it's a new one on me. Tell me more. Uh, So it's not a new concept, although it's fairly new in Ireland. The concept, the model originated in America about 50 years ago, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. And it it moved over to the UK maybe about about 40 years ago. And today um, there are home sharing programs in about 18 countries all around the world. And we're actually delighted the Home Share have uh, been asked to host uh, the next World Home Share Congress in, in Ireland next year, next May. So hopefully um, travel will be back on the agenda. Um, and we've, you know, we've got uh, government support and, and Dublin City Council will be co-hosting it with us. So, so, so home sharing, it's not a new concept, but like I said, it's fairly new in Ireland. Mm. It's, it's a simple concept. Uh, basically, as the name suggests, together helping each other, uh, we we match two people um, to live together for a mutual benefit. So typically, not always, but typically it could be an older person who is um, either living on their own or living with their husband or wife, um, who is uh, might be a bit lonely. Uh, they might be a little bit nervous living in the house on their own at night time. And they might want a little bit of helping hand around the house or somebody to, to cut the grass or go and do shopping, go for walks together. So they, um, they open up their home and they invite somebody to live with them um, in exchange for cheaper accommodation. So that person would be, well, it could be either a student or a professional or even we have a, um, a new kind of group of people um, applying to us now, actually people who are semi or, or even retired. Uh, but that person offers 10 hours a week of company, mainly company, but then a helping hand around the home and an overnight presence to to the householder um, mm. in exchange for, for somewhere warm, quiet, um, uh, and spacious to live in. So it's saving a huge amount on their accommodation costs. But it actually goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's forging new relationships and, yeah. and enabling an older person to stay living at home, which is exactly where everybody wants to be. Indeed. One question jumps into my mind, and maybe I'm cynical. Um, how do you know you're not opening your door to some terrible chancer? Um, well, I, I sometimes joke. I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, but I will. Um, we, 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 okay. Firstly, we have a safeguarding officer, okay. uh, a dedicated safeguarding officer. We work very closely with uh, with HSE safeguarding. Uh, we guard a vet all of 
are potential sharers um, and check numerous references. Getting the right person is crucial, obviously. Yes. It's, it's absolutely crucial. Um, myself and my colleagues, we've all worked in home care for many, many years. I have a, I have a nursing background. Uh, but not just that. We, we kind of, we're, we, we have to be good judges of character. I've learned my lesson. I, I'm divorced, so I know a bad one when it, when it comes along. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 it's all about the, the personality of the person. We now, obviously, guard vetting only, it only really lets you know if somebody has been convicted of a crime. Uh, so we really have to delve in a lot deeper than just the guard of vetting. But obviously mm. that's a good start. Yeah. And, um, and, and you're obviously not going to share your secrets in that regard, nor would I expect you to do. But, but what you're saying is that this lady in her late 70s who is looking for a, a lodger, the old word we used to have, a lodger, yeah. a helpful lodger, she can trust that you'll set her up with someone who'd be totally kosher and there's a lot of work goes into that. 100%. I mean, that, that that's crucial. I mean, it's game over if, if we don't have those um, those really stringent um, policies yeah. and procedures in hand. We we meet all our sharers. We, we meet the householders first to get to know, primarily to get to know their personality and their interests so that we will be in a better position of matching them up with someone of similar, you know, who has similar interests. Yeah. But, but we also, another reason for us to meet people face-to-face is to find out what support they have at the moment and then where the gaps are. Uh, again, so that we can match um, a sharer with them who, number one, um, hopefully, uh, you know, the, the personalities are going, to, are going to click, but also that they will uh, support that person with the support that they, um, you know, would, would particularly um, would, would like to have. Um, so uh, we we match them up. We we introduce them. You know, we're there introducing. We go through a whole share agreement, which which uh, goes through all the uh, all the boundaries and the rules around home sharing, uh, and then the specific uh, support that that share is going to offer. Uh, and then the sharer would, uh, if everyone is happy to to proceed to the next stage, yeah. uh, the sharer would move in for a trial period. Now I looked so at we, your website this morning, and in fairness, there's a, good, a lot of reading in it. So it's the home share, the word the the home share dot ie, and that'll tell him everything. Exactly, exactly. Right. And we are where we're a non-profit organisation, so this is we you know we we do this. We 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 don't turn people away. Um, you know, if, if if they're suitable candidates, we we work with them, okay. and we offer ongoing monitoring and support um, okay. for 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 the length of the, the match. Sounds like sounds like a plan to me for the right people to uh, be be living together, living under one roof, and helping each other out. Together, helping each other. T H E T H E Home Share. Nice idea. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. So Bridget has contacted. Uh, the opinion line this morning. Bridget, good morning. Good morning. What's the problem? You are a tenant, I take it, yeah? I'm a council tenant in, in Fairhill. Okay, okay. And I had a leak last Friday when I came home from town and my daughter and a boyfriend were there and they said the trip switch and the house kept going off. So I called the emergency line on the city hall and within an hour there was um, an electrician out to me um, he opened, the, he, t- he turned off the chip switch and he checked the electrics in the kitchen and when he opened the plug, the water was poured out of the electrics. 
So he disconnected the electric in the kitchen and he told me not to use the shower or the washing machine. And he said someone will be out to me Monday or Tuesday morning to fix this. Uh, the the wire was disconnected and the wires are hanging out of the ceiling. It's also still the water dripping down. Have you power other than that now, Bridget? I have, I have, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm afraid in case the ceiling come down over the water, so I put a dish under it. Um, I've contacted them ten times. You ring the city hall now and they they, um, put you on the computer and refer it up to Churchfield's helpless. Churchfield House mm. and I have heard nothing and I'm afraid I have a three year old grandson in the house at the moment yeah. and I have a special needs daughter and I'm afraid in my life case the scene's going to come down the top oh. me over the water being there there's nothing worse there's nothing worse like last Saturday there was sizzling in the wall and everything yeah and we can't have a shower and it's a week gone out tomorrow yeah so the electrician came out pretty much straight away in about an hour, yeah. Right. So you'd imagine the plumber should at least have been out the following day at the earliest, but this is a week now. No a sign. With a bank holiday weekend, I thought it would be out Monday or Tuesday at the latest. He said a plumber and an electrician would be out to me. Yeah. And there's nothing, and the water's just pouring down the walls into the dish and coming through the plug that's disconnected. And you're up in the Fair Hill area. Have you called yeah. them again? I have. I've called and called and called, but. The girl at reception keeps taking my details and passing them on, but there's no contact to me. Have you contacted your local councillors? I have. Yeah. They listen to the programme, an awful lot of them, so I imagine one or two of them will ring us up and say that they'll get it. But you need a plumber and you need one quickly because you need to find out where that leak is coming from and have it plugged. Yeah, like one have you any idea where it is coming from, no? No, it's the sea. It's coming down from the sea. It might be from the bathroom. I don't know. Yeah. But, um... Like, if I was, my grandson was running around and he's only three goblets and on one of my, my daughters or something, or my other, do you know, if it came down on top of someone. Oh, I know. It'd oh, knock know. you out, like. The whole ceiling could come down on top of you. Oh, I know. Oh, that doesn't bear thinking about. It's not for me I'm thinking of. It all is thinking about the other people in the house, you know what I mean? I know. Well, you try to think about yourself as well. It's your house, do you know? Yeah, and I, I had to go to my, I had to go to my friends to have a show and everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, you need to get that sorted, Bridget. Thank you for making contact with the opinion line on Corks ninety six FM. She is an account, a council tenant in Fairhill. Uh, had an electrical fault caused by water over the bank holiday weekend. To be fair, the electrician came out pronto, uh, made it safe for her, but now the water's still coming down. She can hear sizzling in the wall, which means it's obviously now shorting out more of the electrics. And she's afraid of her life that the ceiling will come down. I have personal experience of a ceiling coming down. Not on top of me, but had it been 20 minutes earlier, it would have come down on top of me while I was inside in the bed. So you don't want that happening. Uh, Yeah, uh, uh, right, yeah. She's been in touch with one of her local representatives uh, before she got on to us. So here we go. Let's see if we can get the council to respond to this. It's an urgent situation. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream.
You need to tell me the most exciting thing happening in your life at the moment is bathroom renovations. Is bathrooms. That what it is? Top it. You top it. Oh, well, I was, I'm an extra in the new Tom Cruise movie. I applied online for Mission Impossible in Lo- some no. set in London. You're not going to London. All I have to do is ramp a Honda 50 over three red Oh, buses. is that all? That's all, yeah. Oh, I thought they were expecting to do something ridiculous. It's a body double kind of thing, you know. A body double? <laughs> for what? The UK. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. You get at least one of these a day. Uh, and you just read it with your head in your hands. With your head in your hands, you read it. I'm not going to read it now, though. I'll read it in a minute. Because I want to do something happy first, before I depress myself reading this nonsense that comes in every day. We get at least one, one a day. I want to go to Dublin, where last evening, at the Ivy Gardens, a beautiful place, James Vincent McMorrow put on a fabulous gig for a very select audience of 500 people in a place that would normally hold a lot more. But it was done as a pilot event to get live music and open-air gigs going again. And they pulled out all the stops. Full stage, the 40-piece band, huge crew, massive sound, I'm told by anybody who was there. And just a great event, obviously, quite different. Aoife Barry, the assistant news editor and arts reporter at the journal.ie was one of the lucky ones. Hi Aoife, good morning. Hi, morning, how are things, CJ? Uh, Marvellous altogether. Apart from seeing a great artist like JVM, what was it like? You know, it was different. I mean, I keep comparing it to like the early morning of a festival before everybody's hung over. So maybe like if there was a, you know, a gig on, an, a, say, a lecture picnic on a Friday morning when people are just kind of starting to stream in and people are excited, but they're a bit more chilled out, you know, I think it had that sort of a vibe. Um, 
like the capacity of the Ivy Gardens, I think it's up to about 4,000 from what I've read. So having 500 people there is obviously a huge change. Anytime I've been there for gigs, there's been a lot of people there, even in the more kind of intimate gigs that you'll get there sometimes, which are really nice. So it was strange that you had lots of space around you. Um, now that was good in one way, you know, you weren't squashed up against strangers. But I think when you're trying to get a really big energy together, it can be a little bit harder when you have people separated in, into pots. Um, but I was chatting to people there on the way in and everybody was really excited and just really happy, I think, to have something positive to be, you know, to be going on, that they were lucky to get the tickets because there was a huge demand, like they sold out in a couple of minutes, really. Yeah. Um, so there was that, that that kind of sense of, okay, life is hopefully starting to get back to normal and this is a big sign because this area of live gigs, live events has been one where we've been thinking, when will we get to the stage where we can actually yeah. watch a band? You know, because yeah. we just have not been able to do that. Well, I mean, if you look at it now, event. like here in, here in Cork, it, it's June, the, yeah. sh- the marquee should be on. Independent exactly. parks should be on. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's not, they're not. And it's so important that we get those gigs back very, very soon. So moving around at a, mm. at a gig like that, like wanting to go to yeah. gig, can you, could, you, could you get a drink? Could you get an ice cream? Could you get a burger? So basically, the first thing to say, there was no bar. So unless people had had a few drinks themselves coming in, they weren't allowed to bring any alcohol. There was no bar there. Now, that is obviously very unusual for a gig in Ireland. But I think they need, like they needed to do that for this. It was a pilot gig. It was a test. You know, it was something that they were putting on, I think, not just to test these events, but also really, I think, to give people a psychological boost, you know, to show people that the, that the arts department, that the government actually cares about what's happening, you know, in terms of the live, the live industry, the live gig industry. So there was no, there was no drink, but there was a crepe van and there was um, an ice cream van as well. Now, the way it was organized is that it was a one-way system. So you came in and if you're in media, there was a specific media area with little pods, but if you weren't in media, ordinary ticket holders could go in and around and find their pod they're all separated into and um, these little pods for up to four people so they weren't like these metal pods like you know people had in different concerts and other places across the world they were just marked out on the grass and then they had different kind of lines there that people could, could stand by so it was pretty clear where you were supposed to go there was a lot of staff there that were directing people there was very there was security staff and was the, there, were the pods know? cordoned off in any way so there was a little bit of a cordon, but I mean, it wasn't anything major. It was just more kind of an indication of this is where the pod starts and where it ends, if you get me. It was all yeah. like there was there was white lines drawn on the grass. So that was how you knew the boxes were there. Somebody had, had kind of painted the, the lines and then you had a cordon at the front, a really thin one at the front of each kind of section. Yeah. Um, so it was all sectioned off. People could get pretty far up in terms of getting very near the stage. Um, so you had to follow that one way system around to go to the toilets and then to get into the toilets themselves you couldn't just like walk straight into the area they had different gates up so you had to walk around you know um, kind of snake around in a queue to get in so they were, they were really trying to get kind of things slowed down you know so that people couldn't just rush into an area and that mm. security guards could keep an eye the toilets are really clean they had a lot of staff there and then you could go around from there into the food area so a lot of people were getting like ice creams and crepes um, it was very chilled out I mean it took a while for people to all get in because what they did was staggered um, ticket times so you bought your tickets you were given a time to come in at so instead of the usual should we all meet at you know seven o'clock when the gates open or whatever everybody had a different time so it meant that you didn't have that big rush of people and that it was very easy and pretty quick once you got there to get through the security line then to get into the place and then there's loads of signs around telling you you know you know no no alcohol you know sanitize your hands you know social distance 
mm-hmm. wear your mask all the time unless you're in your pod. So I think people are very used to following those kind of rules. Now I didn't really see anybody doing any major breaching of that. Yeah. So once you got into your pod and took off the mask and you were watching the live music, it could have been any other gig really, yeah. you know, except for the fact there was all that space around yeah. you. And you know the thing that happens, Aoife, at, at a gig, that you, you go there and you're enjoying the music and the atmosphere and then you spot someone that you were in school with and yeah. they're over there. And you're, you can't do yeah. that anymore, can you? No, exactly. And even in the media area, there was two pods and I spotted Owen O'Sullivan, who's a Cork writer as well, who yeah. writes for The Examiner. And I didn't get to say hi to him because leaving, I had to go around and couldn't go in to where his, his pen was. Mm. So, and was that being know, supervised? Um, yeah, exactly. So there were there was security there too, and we you know people had to have their show their passes and things like that. So you you felt like that you know felt very safe. I think earlier you were there, but yeah, I spotted a good few people I knew in the crowd, and you just knew that they were going to have their night. You probably weren't going to see them. People might have been you know meeting up towards the pub after, but there wasn't that kind of sense either for um, a lot of us that were there. That like let's all go and meet up and do this big thing afterwards. Whereas usually you'd bump into people and they'd be like, oh, I'll see you in that pub down the road. And, and let's all chat about the gig. So, you know, people are being careful, they're being safe. So you don't have that. So I think there were a lot of the traditional markings yeah. of a live event missing, but you kind of go to a live gig as well to get the music. And it was amazing actually hearing a live band on a stage in a big sound yeah. system. Yeah. You know, it's been yeah. over a year. God, we've all that, missed that know? so much, haven't we? Yeah. It yeah. gives you a lot. I think it gives you a lot of energy. It's a. It's. I think gigs are, as like I said in my article in the journal, gigs are like a release. You know, they're catharsis. You get a chance to just experience all these emotions and yeah. let go and not think about things. Yeah. That's why people have been so hungry to yeah. see things on stage. And I think, ho- and hopefully, it's the start of of more to come, and everything will eventually ease off and we'll be back to normal uh, live gigs. But thanks for that, Eva Barry from the Journal.ie, who was at that uh, wonderful gig at Ivy Gardens in Dublin last evening. Look, there's rules and regulations, there's separation, there's pods, there's this, there's that, because we've got to get this right. Thanks, Eva. 1850-715-996. Speaking of getting things right, Paul Reid from the HSE has tweeted this morning, uh, eight adult hospitals now have zero COVID-19 patients. There's St. James's, which is one of the biggest hospitals in the country, in fact, not the, if not the biggest, and yesterday they had their first day since March 2020 without a single COVID patient in the hospital. Nace Hospital, Tullamore Hospital, Sligo, Galway, Kilkenny Hospital, that's St. Luke's, the Mercy, and Waterford Hospital. The Mercy, that's our own Mercy here in Cork City, has no COVID patients today. I wonder what the story is with COH. I know their numbers are very, very small. Well, it's great. And none of the three children's hospitals at Temple Street, Crumlin or out in Talla have any COVID in them this morning. This is great. We're getting there, lads. We're getting there. It's a pain in the ass that it's so slow. It's painfully slow. And yet people are looking at other parts of the world. Why aren't we doing that? Let's do it our way and let's get it right. Take it handy. That's great news, though. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. In April this year, songwriter John Spillam and novelist David Mitchell met and spoke about music, folklore, and mythology. These musings are interspersed with performances by John Spillam and it runs on-demand video stream from everymancork.com. Drawing on the award-winning book A Ghost in the Throat, Dirin de Grifra presents a literary event created in collaboration with filmmaker Tyg O'Sullivan and composer Linda Buckley. A live stream takes place on June 27th with more details at everymancork.com. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your Nightlife on Lee Side. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Talking about live music and gigs being back slowly. But surely, of course, we don't have the festivals we'd normally have. We don't have the Marquee. We don't have Irish Independent Park. We don't have anything like that to look forward to this summer yet again. But we did this last summer and we're doing it again this summer. All the festival stars are coming back on the Cork's 96FM Back Garden Festival. It's now streaming exclusively online with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Listen on the app, it's running now, or go to 96fm.ie for all of those details. And some of the comments held over on live music and the return of it. Um, There's no logical reason, says this text, why we can't have music in pubs and other venues. It's just another decision by so-called experts that is an insult to any intelligent person. What we as a people have to put up with, it's scandalous. Well, it's kind of egg over egging the pudding a little bit Gary Bouse was just saying was there a consultation if there was can we see what the outcome of that consultation was and if there wasn't why wasn't there because things are different than they were this time last year and the instructions that applied this time last year well why are you using the same instructions there's the question that the music industry wants asked and Kate says once everyone is sanitised and there's distancing then I honestly can't see the problem can someone explain what it might be I, for one, would love to see them in many of the venues. Wouldn't we all, Kate? A busker then started playing at the corner of Princess Street last night, uh, Monday evening, rather, and were very quickly moved on by Gardaí. Speaking of last night, we got a video in, myself and Fergal, this morning, uh, taken down in Old Plunk Street last night. And one problem, and it's going to cause a problem, the outdoor dining and the seating... The seated areas and the covered streets and all, that's great. It's brilliant. It's lovely to see it there. It's fabulous. And if it's all done according to public health guidelines, then everything will be grand. What isn't grand is the congregation around street corners of people who are not out eating or not out in having a pint in an organised setting. They're still congregating on street corners with bags of cans in big bunches of people. That's not safe. There's an Australian case already in the news during the week where the one of these variants, it's called the Kappa variant, actually they've traced it back. And you know how good the tracing is in Australia. They've traced it back to an outdoor restaurant 
where people were just that little bit too close. So, you know, you're, you've got to be careful. Let's be very, very careful still. Be very, very careful. 1850 Imagine being 19 years of age and being honoured with a mural in your own city. Two young Cork women have been honoured in just that way. Ethan Imuraku and Alicia Joy O'Sullivan. I spoke to Alicia before about her uh, climate activism. Uh, she's from Skibbereen, but she has been immortalised in a wonderful new mur- mur- mural on Cove Street, uh, created by students from the Crawford College. Alicia, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How did it feel to see yourself up there on a wall at 19 years of age? I guess it was just very surreal, you know. Um, you know, I've had some kind of strange interactions and wonderful experiences over the last few years. And when you're young, obviously, it's even stranger. Um, but yeah, it's just so fantastic and so beautifully done as well. The artwork is just just so amazing and yeah I couldn't believe it really I think it was up before I knew about it <laughs> so yeah. it was just even crazier then For people who, who wouldn't know you yet um, go, let's go through it you you started out a couple of years ago on uh, as a climate activist you're from Skibbereen originally Yeah I'm from just Castlehaven just outside Skibbereen Right and you got involved in the the youth strikes, the climate youth strikes? So I suppose for me it would have started with um, Corlin and O, which I suppose a lot of young people would be familiar with. It's a youth council in Ireland. We have 31 of them all over the country. Um, And we basically have a national body for that then. And I was on that when I was about 15, 16. And I suppose it started from there then. Um, I kind of just kept getting engaged and then obviously Greta Thunberg's climate strike started and I got engaged with those and I suppose I just I I kept going and I thought it was something that we should all be talking about and fighting for and particularly in Ireland because obviously we're an island and there's going to be some more devastating effects of climate change in years to come for us so I just thought it was something important that I wanted to speak up about and it just kind of went from there, really. Yeah, and it really did go from there. Like, you were talking at an international conference in the city uh, and John Kerry was attending the conference. Yeah, so actually, um, so John Kerry is now actually the Climate US uh, envoy. Yeah. And I'm actually working with him on his International Climate Initiative World War Zero. So I'm actually one of 70 co-founders of that project. Um, And, you know, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Some of those people are Leonardo DiCaprio and Sting and, you know, just some wonderful, uh, you know, people out there talking about climate change and doing their bit for it. There was a good piece in The Guardian recently about the things that young people are anxious about, the the Generation Z, as they call them, what makes Mm -hmm. them anxious uh, they did it in the in the context of the pandemic. That's very close to your heart, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think the pandemic has kind of exposed a lot of the inequalities in the world, you know, like particularly even now with the vaccines, we're seeing, you know, poor countries not getting the vaccines and richer ones getting more of them. And that's just, you know, kind of one almost example of just everything that was going on long before the pandemic you know, and particularly as well, 
maybe we don't really think of climate change yet because we don't really, I suppose, see it every day as we see the pandemic. But climate change is affecting all of our lives, even though we might not necessarily see it, you know. Mm. And I think, I think COVID-19 has, if anything, uh, given us maybe a template for fighting these sort of big issues that we need to face over the next few years. Yeah, because the way we got together, I suppose, globally and tried to put a plan together quickly for COVID-19, I think people of your generation believe, Alicia, very strongly, we sh- we could and we should be doing that for other things like climate change. We should be addressing climate change as urgently as we got our acts together on COVID-19. Absolutely, and, and I think, look, the sad thing is is that there, there is huge differences in that. Like, we can't really see climate change visually sometimes. I mean, look, there obviously are people that do and that, you know, their houses are wiped out and they're struggling to survive because of the effects of climate change. But as I look in the in the Ireland context, we don't. And it can be hard obviously to to feel maybe sympathy and empathy for something that we can't necessarily see. Mm. Such as like, you know, with COVID, obviously we see we see the hospitals, we probably know people who have COVID. You know, it's it's a very different um, issue, but you know the the mass effects and the problems it brings are unfortunately very similar. Yeah, so, I think what what you believe, Alicia, and and many of your uh, you know contemporaries believe is that look, um, COVID nineteen is kind of a very real demonstration in quick time of where climate change is going, and climate change will be as big a problem as COVID-19 has been, if we don't take action and take action now and be ready and have a proper plan? Yeah, I mean, I look, unfortunately, it kind of already is for some people, you know, like they've lost their homes, their houses. You know, you see those horrible storms and wipeouts in places and you just think, you know, that is coming. Like, there's no stopping that if we don't act. And I'm not trying to, you know, scaremonger people because I just don't think that's the right approach to this. I think... We need to have everyone on board and we need to understand the issue to progress with it. But it just is the reality and it's already happening. Um, and I think it's just, it's it's not also publicised as much as, you know, obviously COVID is because it's so effective in all of our lives currently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and that's something we also need to overcome. Do you, do you get frustrated, Alicia, with the politicians who are all much older than you and, and move much more slowly than you'd like them to? Well, there's two things there. I think, look, sometimes we can all be a bit annoyed at, at politicians and the government. And it's, and it's easy, I think, to sit back on your couch at home and give out about, you know, what it, whoever was on the TV that night or go on to Twitter and scream and shout from your bedroom, you know. But, you know, the responsibility is on all of us. You know, it's like COVID as well. Um, the government can bring in restrictions and take away restrictions. But at the end of the day... It's up to us if we follow them or not. It's up to us if we actually, you know, make COVID better at this point. So the government can't hold our hand up all the time. And it's the same with climate change. You know, we often have to, and I'm not saying that, you know, me and you recycling is going to fix climate change because that's not fair either. There obviously has to be huge policy and, and legislation change. But, you know, maybe we need to instigate that. And that's something that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to push for that at all sort of levels. The community here in Skibreen is great. They're trying all sorts. I know the Ill and Arts Centre just put in solar panels, which is amazing in a small mm-hmm. town like Skibreen. So, you know, we all have to do our bit and we also have to push for that change 
at a higher level and you know not just sit back and give out give out about it on Twitter. I don't think that's a good approach. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, Twitter is just a place where a lot of people do nothing more than give out. <laughs> They've got no ideas. They've just got lots of things to give out about. Did you ever think, Alicia, when you started out following? Greta Thunberg's strike movement that you'd now practically to be at this full time? Not not at all, I suppose. Like I said, you know, I joined the Youth Council. It was something to do in fourth year and I was interested in politics. I was interested in these kind of social issues. And like I said, it just kept going. People kind of said to me, oh, you know, when are you going to stop and focus on school? And I just didn't. And I didn't want it to stop either. And I suppose, look, it was... It, it just got kind of more surreal and, and more amazing to meet all those people as it went on. And, and I and I suppose, look, now it is full time. And, um, you know, sometimes it could be tough. And it's, it's it, I suppose people maybe think, oh, you know, you just go and you speak at things. But there's a lot of hardships with it. You know, there's a lot of failures. There's a lot of people who, you know, dismiss you because you're young and you get a lot of abuse online, as we probably saw with Greta Thunberg herself. So, you know, there's all these things that I suppose I'm trying to, overcome as well in kind mm. of the journey that I'm on, you know, and trying... Do you, do you get sick of people saying, Ara, go on back to school, little girl? Because <laughs> um, they do, you know, they do, and they shouldn't, but they do, don't they? You must get very sick of that. I suppose I, I got a few people saying, right, that, you know, I should be concentrating on school um, when I was in second level. I'm obviously in college now, but I did get a lot of that and that, you know, the leaving service is ongoing at the moment, obviously, the leaving service is so important, and it is. Um... But to be honest, I, I felt that what I was doing was, if not more important, and it wasn't about me, it was about, you know, climate change or it was about whatever I was working on. And, and those issues were much bigger than me, Alicia O'Sullivan. They were much bigger than my leaving cert. And if I was in a position to actually help them progress and help people inevitably, because that's the whole point of everything that I do, then then I I cannot, you know, walk away from that. I have to do that. And and if that means, unfortunately, like sacrificing some of my own stuff, like probably not doing as well on the leaving cert as I would have if I hadn't been doing it, um, then, you know, un- yeah. like that's just so be it, you know. Well, you're doing a great job so far and long may you be able to continue with it. And congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. We need more people like Alicia Joy O'Sullivan. Thank you very much. Uh, immortalised by the students of Crawford College down at Cope Street, herself and Aoife Nivordicu. 1857 I might skip that song, actually, Terry, if you want to give that lad a call, we'll get to it straight away. Uh, we'll skip the song for now. Just on vaccines, we're getting a few more calls. Myself and my husband, yeah, we got that one in there. And uh, my wife's in a vulnerable group, consequently got her first vaccination via her consultant at CUH. Now more than three months have passed and she's discovered the second vaccination has been transferred to Parky Cueve. But no one at CUH has any access to her details and can't help her. Oh, God. We've tried in vain to find a contact number for the Parky Cueve facility, but to no avail. We're very concerned that the time since her vaccination is now more than three months. Can you please ask Parky Cueve to publish their contact details? It's in the public interest for us all. I would suggest you call the HSE hotline on that one, which, if I remember correctly, is 1850-24-1850. We'll double-check that. We'll double-check that. You should be in the system uh, for the second vaccine at this stage. And if yeah, that's, that's worrying. That's worrying. And there's so many of them coming in. 1850-715-996. We may, may, may have some news. We may have some news 
for Our Lady with the leak up in Fairhill. Just working on that behind the scenes, doing a little bit of leg, leg work. We may have some help for her. But let's go to Ballyfehan, uh, where I didn't know, they, did they, Conrad, did they not have a Tidy Towns committee out there up to now? Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Um, no, there wasn't. There was, there's a few different kind of groups there at the moment that do some kind of community kind of gardening and things like that. Right. Well, the first time we've had Tidy Towns, I think. So you decided to get it together? I did, yeah. Um, I've kind of been thinking about it for a while. So been waiting now for a gap in the college year. So we're just going to get it started now this weekend. So okay. hopefully we have a great turnout. And it's just a case of people gathering and getting together? Yeah, so we have people signing up now online so we can be COVID safe and everything and prepare pod sizes and things. And mm. um, so there's a... Google form that people can fill out on our social media and on our if you email us as well. Okay, and wh- where do you plan to meet on Saturday, Conrad? And what time? We're kind of. I don't think we can say where we're meeting just in case we do get a big crowd that meets up right. all at once. So we do need people to sign up through the form. Um, but we're looking at doing kind of I think four streets in the town Valdehan. And Main Street, and we're as well looking at doing part of the Tremor River. Right. So if people just search Ballyfehan Tidy Towns, it'll come up, yeah? yeah? If we're on Ballyfehan Tidy Towns on all our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we have an email then at ballyfehantidytown at gmail.com. Okay. Good luck with it, and we'll see how it goes for you on Saturday. That's Conrad Im from Ballyfehan. Ballyfehan Tidy Towns. Didn't know they didn't, have, they didn't have one. Well, they have one now on this Saturday morning. More information if you want to get involved uh, Ballyfehan Tidy Town Towns on Facebook The lines are live and we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996 Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Do you know when someone comes forward and contacts the Opinion Line for help, we like to be able to help in some small way or other. Bridget was talking to me about an hour ago or maybe just less than an hour ago. So she has a leak in her council house in Fairhill and it got into the electrics at the weekend. She got an electrician out from the council it came out quickly enough, made the electrics safe, but they can't have a shower. There's loads of other things they can't do, but they need a plumber to check out the leak. And she's very worried because she's catching the water now in buckets and saucepans in the kitchen, but she's afraid of her life. The water is still coming down the wall. She's afraid that the ceiling is going to collapse. She doesn't know where the leak is coming from. She doesn't know the first thing about it. And she still has seen no plumber from Cork City Council. The electrician came out quick smartish, fair play, but still hasn't seen any plumber uh, nearly a week later. Hate to be in that situation, wouldn't you? Well, our good pal Dave Gibbons, who's been on the show with us many, many times, Dave is going to pop around, a damn fine plumber, Dave is going to pop around and see if he can sort out the situation, at least if he can isolate the leak and, and maybe stop it leaking for her. It would be a start. So thank you, Dave. We're going to put the two of them in touch off the air to see if anything can be done in advance of the weekend. So 
there's good people out there, really good people out there, who will come to the aid of our listeners when we need them to. You'd hate them. You'd hate someone to go through a weekend half afraid that the ceiling of their kitchen might be about to fall in on their grandchildren. So thank you very much for that, Dave. And we'll see how it goes. 1850-715-996. We mentioned earlier this morning if you have a fussy eater in the house. It's a, 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 a tale as old as time, as the movie used to say, that a child will all of a sudden stop eating anything in particular without any reason whatsoever. They'll stop eating anything green. They'll stop eating anything nutritious. They'll only look for their potatoes one way. They'll only eat their beans one way. They will only eat chicken nuggets and no other form of meat in the wide earthy world. And you as a parent are trying to figure out what am I doing wrong for a start? How do I sort it out? Is the second question. And is a fuss, is a fussy diet, is a, is a, a diet where they just won't eat certain things, is it dangerous in the long term? There's a lot of it out there. Caroline O'Connor is a Cork-based paediatric dietitian and the founder of SolidStart.ie, where you help people with exactly this. Caroline, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Nice to talk to you again. And to you. I suppose the, the important thing to reassure people is your child isn't the only child who all of a sudden won't eat anything you put in front of them. Absolutely. You really hit the nail on the head. I think you, you covered all of the bases there. What you described, the child who suddenly doesn't want to eat vegetables and just loves pasta and chicken nuggets. That's such a common story here every day um, at Solid Start. So you're, you're probably in the minority if your child is eating everything that you're making for them like upwards of three out of every four parents probably struggle with fussy eating. So yeah, it is really, really common, uh, particularly in that kind of younger age group from, let's say, two, maybe through the toddler and preschooler years. Do we understand why it starts? What causes it? Uh, we do, actually. And um, I suppose that's a good thing, because sometimes if you know what causes it, it makes you feel less alone. And recognizing what's normal kind of makes you feel a little bit more sane and it's not just your problem. So we, we know there's kind of three main things, really. One, once your child hits two, they really start to grow less quickly than they did in the first two years. And so when you're growing less quickly, then your appetite is reduced. And when your appetite is reduced, you can afford to be a little bit more choosy about what you decide to eat. So you might push the the greens to one side and just go for the thing that's easiest to eat on your plate, which might be the potatoes or the pasta or the bread. Um, Mm. That's one thing. Second thing is then toddlers, they just really have a fear of of new things. Um, So that's even got its own name. It's called neophobia. um, And it's really common in toddlers. And that's often why they'll, they'll freak out if things don't look exactly the same as they did the day before. Yeah, um, and that's a really common phenomenon, and that tends to improve with age. And then anybody who's a parent of a toddler, and I've I've been a parent of four toddlers myself, um, knows that toddlers they just they really want to kind of have control over their own lives. So the more you try to push them to eat certain things, the more they they push back against that. Yeah. So many, many, many is the kitchen that. wall that has had to have cereal <laughs> wiped off it because you dared to produce exactly. Weetabix instead of Rice Krispies. Exactly, exactly. Toddlers do want to get some control over their own lives. There aren't that many things that they control, can control, but, but food is definitely one of them. So if a toddler doesn't want to eat something, 
you know, that's it really. It's amazing um, that you break it down into something as basic as that. I, I also thought, and maybe I'm wrong here, some of it might also have to do with the development of taste buds, that the taste buds are changing with their own development and that something they absolutely loved when they were two is horrible when they're four. Yeah, I mean, actually, children have more taste buds than adults, so they have twice as many taste buds yeah. as adults. So why we might kind of think broccoli is not very strong tasting to a child that might taste different. And different people then taste things different, differently. So that's why some children might maybe fussier than others. So we all taste things differently depending on, on, on our taste buds. Um, so if a parent was a fussy eater, there's a higher likelihood maybe that their child will also be a fussy eater. So some of it's genetic as well. So there are lots of different factors. And I suppose I'd always say, you know, parents always blame themselves first. Mm. Uh, that it's something that they have done. But there are very common things that happen, yeah. um, which definitely make feeding toddlers more challenging than, than feeding babies. Can it um, be a problem other than a nuisance? Uh, it's definitely a nuisance and certainly a huge source of frustration for, for parents. I mean, it can be a problem depending on, on how many foods your child is excluding. So lots of parents come to me, um, you know, on social media or, or to my classes, and they're really worried because they, they feel their child isn't getting enough nutrition. Now, the majority of the time, their their child is actually fine. So if your child isn't eating vegetables, but they're eating fruit, they're within the same food group, so chances are your child will be getting the, the nutrients that they need. Um, I suppose the, the problem occurs when your child is maybe avoiding an entire food group. So they're maybe not eating any fruits and vegetables at all. Um, so, you know, they're not even, won't have a smoothie or wouldn't even drink fruit juice. In that case, yes, they, they may be missing out. I think so the veg really thing would... power restrictive. The veg thing would seem to be very common. We just had two messages in from both Lisa in Glanmire and Andrew in Shanakeel. Andrew says, my little fella likes fruit, but not veg. Will the fruit provide all the goodness needed or should I force the whole veg thing? Whereas Lisa's question is, I gave up trying to get veg into my little girl. Is there any coming back from it? Or I have created a habit that I can't break, a stick to beat myself with. In other words, she found it so difficult to get veg into the young one. She says, ah, to hell with it. Exactly. Look, I suppose it's our job as parents to provide the food, but it's not our job to get it into our child. So we don't want to get vegetables in at any cost. But what we do want to do is continue to expose children to vegetables. So ideally, you know, eat together at your family meal, put the vegetables there, eat them yourself. Don't force them on your child because the more you force it, the less they want to eat it. And that's counterproductive. So Mm -hmm. they will get the nutrition that they need from fruit. So serve fruit too. But keep offering the vegetables because if you don't keep exposing your child to vegetables, they'll never learn to accept them. Um, so they need to see you eating them and enjoying them, but without pressure. You know the way um, we, we wean children from onto solid food, first of all, of mm-hmm. course, and then off mush into actual pieces of food. Do you know the old way of yep. mushing down the family dinner? and putting it into a blender and making food for baby as soon as they're old enough to tolerate it. Does that give them a better varied diet and a better acceptance of of taste or is that a myth? No, no, absolutely. And I have a weaning class and that's the approach that I absolutely encourage. So not making special foods for your baby, but from day one, really, you can adapt your own family foods to make them suitable for your baby. So you can either 
blend them initially or, or mash them with a fork or actually now baby led weaning is really popular where you just start your baby on finger food so you might start them on some well cooked broccoli that they can actually pick up in their hand right. um, or you can just cook your broccoli and mash it with a fork but the whole idea of weaning is to get your baby to learn to like family foods it's not to get them to learn to like special baby foods because that's not what they're going to be eating later on mm. so should, yeah should family dinner go on Sorry to cut across you, Caroline. Should family dinner be everybody on the same menu? Like, should the four-year-old or the five-year-old have their own little plate of what mommy or daddy are eating? Or should you... Is, is, it, is it okay to cook something different for them? Ideally, we would eat the same meals for, for lots of different reasons. One, because it's hard enough to put one dinner on the table, never mind, you know, two or three dinners, which some families are doing. Um, and your your child needs to see you eating the same food before they feel comfortable eating those foods. So definitely there's a huge benefit to, to sharing the meals. Um, but there needs to be something on the table that you know your child would eat if they're hungry. So there's no point putting out four foods on the table and your child actually doesn't currently eat any of them. So you do want to have one meal, but you need to make sure that you're being considerate and right. that there's one or two parts of that meal. So it might just be the pasta or the potatoes that you're pretty confident that your child would eat if they were hungry. Uh, but it is the one meal for the whole family. Okay. Um, yeah. There is a load more information on, on solidstart.ie and I know you do classes and uh, courses with people to help them as well. Thank you very much. That's Caroline O'Connor, paediatric dietitian, dietitian and of course founder of solidstart.ie. It's not a disaster if they won't eat the veg. Uh, try. But it's not a disaster because if they're also eating fruit, they are getting their nutrition from somewhere. Solidstart.ie, a mine of information. And you're not the only one. We've all been there. We've all done it. You know? Oh, thank you, Terry. Uh, line one, um, Dr. Nick Flynn, uh, just coincidentally, we're talking about Bridget's leak. You've got a problem with all the clinics this morning, Nick. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Listen, thanks for having us on there. Yeah, there's been uh, a plumbing issue in uh, St. A's Primary Center, which is where our main centre of practice would be up in Holly Hill, Gona Broher area. Uh, and unfortunately for us, our server uh, for the entire network of clinics is based in Holly Hill. Uh, so the power is currently down in the building because of the plumbing issue. Uh, right. So just to make patients aware that if they were waiting a call back this morning, our server is down, so our access to our notes is down, and also our phone system is down. And we're working hard to get both back up and running. Okay, but it might not be until late afternoon. So this is the MyCorkGP.ie range yeah. of, of clinics and it yeah. could be you're down down because of a leak at your headquarters yeah. down because of a leak at headquarters but it means the people expecting callbacks from Douglas Gunnar North Main Street Toker and Holly Hill uh, they're unlikely to happen until the afternoon at the earliest and unfortunately it may be Monday morning before things are back up and running properly OK listen Nick happy to help you with that get that message out there that's Dr Nick Flynn at mycorkgp.ie they have had a plumbing problem at their headquarters it's put the power out it's put the computers down so they're going to be a, there's a problem for anybody connected to their system and the clinics are in Nakbihini Douglas Grenat North Main Street and Tucker. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Cork's 96FM's free speaker frenzy is coming. Play Cork's 96FM. We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Join Casey and Ross in the morning and stay with us all day long for your chance to win. Win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase. Play Quark's 96 FM. To win a smart speaker. You want it? I never felt this good. Quark's 96 FM's free speaker frenzy starts Monday. With Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. Hello? Hello? Stay listening to win and remember to say. Play Quark's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. This came in kind of random, uh, but it's worth reading out. It's a Facebook message from Michael. Anyone been to get some building materials like wood or stuff lately? Just wondering, he says. I went to get a bit of timber yesterday for a bit of DIY. The cost of it was €24 Euro for 16 foot long by six inches wide by two pieces. That's two fine planks now, Michael. What's going on? Why is everything going up in Ireland, England and the USA? If it's happening in England and America, sure it can't be Brexit or any of that stuff. Well, there was a thing there recently, Michael, about the cost of building materials going up and wood seems to be particularly problematic. An awful lot of it is down to shipping. Shipping, yeah. yeah. Shipping. That thing in the Suez Canal where your man got the got the thing stuck yeah that that's apparently caused an awful lot of it but it is a problem the cost of building materials going up right left and center 1850 here's a cool idea so a mom who kind of wanted to let her daughter know that she knew or figured her daughter might be gay but she was looking for a way to start the conversation Now, such a clever idea. She went down to a local bakery. Einie's suite of sweets. And she ordered cupcakes. Not just any old cupcakes. Einie, good morning to you. Hello, Einie. Yeah, hi. How are you? There you are. (laughs) There you are. So, this mum wanted to have a conversation with her daughter because she figured her daughter might be gay but she didn't know how yeah. to start the conversation so what did she ask yeah. you to do yeah so she came uh, to me just asking for uh, ideas for, for for her daughter's birthday whether a cake or a cupcake and i just start asking her question as i do with many other customers there's anything in particular that she like any color allergens and she said look uh, i want to also uh, break the ice with the conversation because i believe uh, her to be gay so I, I saw straight away, okay, so let's do some cupcakes with the theme of a rainbow color a flag. Instead, do the, the typical cake that has different layers of colors that is really more for for kids. And and we both agreed that that was a, an excellent idea. And then I got the feedback that the, the daughter was happy. She also thought that that was a fun idea, apart from, of course, a, give a, them the chance to a, indeed have the conversation that they needed to have. Yeah, I, even if even if the conversation never came up, 
the cupcakes were lovely anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it, it did lead to a conversation. It led to a conversation. And after I post the first uh, batch of cupcakes, uh, explaining just a bit uh, the idea, uh, I got a few more orders from other parents and one sister also uh, to, to show their daughters and brothers the, the support that you, we love you no matter what. And that was a, a nice idea for them. Do we just sit at the table with some sweets with my castle tea have the rainbow color as a frosting. It's, re- it's it. really At cool. At the end is the message of love. I believe that it is what it is. Now, Anya, I can tell from your, your accent that, that you're from Spain, but you started off this business in Cork during lockdown. Yeah, I've always loved to to bake, but I've never believed that much in myself. And two years ago, my husband bought me a stand mixer, so kind of pushing me. And during the lockdown, the anxiety really hit me. Of course, family far away. And I just start baking like crazy and give it away to friends and neighbors. And I was getting really good feedbacks. So I just considered the option to why not register as a business, do I register with the HSC. And since then, everything is just getting uh, better and better. I'm getting more orders, uh, considering to get in a bigger space. So I, I am so, so happy. Isn't it great? It is. <laughs> it's fantastic because the cakes look brilliant on your Facebook page. They look they look really lovely. Ainee's Suite of Sweets is the Facebook yeah. page. Ainee Pedroza. And that was just a wonderful idea. Such a clever idea for that girl and her mum. And well done. And delighted that your business is, is taking off. And, Thank and you. Take care of yourself and look after yourself. Ainee Pedroza. Ainee's Suite of Sweets. A little idea in lockdown that is now a business and such a clever idea rainbow themed cupcakes in case in case they'd start a conversation which they did and everything was great but even if they didn't and then there were damn nice cakes 1850 715 I-N-E, by the way is spelt A-I-N-Y A-I-N-Y okay I-N-E I know you wouldn't have a clue until I told you. 1850-715-996. Yeah, that, um, that message that I said to you that uh, we get one a day. We get at least one a day. And the last couple of days we get more of them because of the vaccine queries and people wanting to get their second jab and their first jab. And the... <sighs> Just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. I want to read it and scream, but I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to read it. It comes from John. I still have not and have no intention of taking the experimental gene therapy into my body. And I know many others who think the same. Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Still people calling us about the fussy eating. And Caroline was most informative. Uh, my son will only eat raw carrots and green apples. Is that okay? Absolutely. He's getting fruit and veg into his system. That's absolutely fine. PJ, I struggle with my five-year-old. She's in creche. And they really try to force her. Comes down to the texture of the food. She's so fussy, it's a struggle every night. Thanks for the show, says Delina. Is a nice name. Yeah, it can be very hard at five. And texture of food and the feel of food in the mouth is very hard for some kids. 
bear with it. If they're getting some fruit and veg into themselves, if they're getting some of every food food group in, just just go with it. Just play along for a while. 1850 996 Fierce excitement in y'all as uh, one of their own prepares to take part in the Olympics, which are still, as we speak, going ahead in Tokyo in about five and a half weeks' time. We're talking about Aoife Cook, um, and she will be taking part in the marathon at the Olympics because recently she won the Cheshire Marathon, that was back in April, in a time of two hours 28, which is comfortably inside the Olympic standards of 2.29. So there's huge excitement. Ger Flanagan, uh, who has Boardwalk Coffee, Aoife is their band, brand ambassador. And uh, it's a very exciting and proud time for, for the people of East Cork, Jerry, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. Thanks for uh, giving us uh, time in the air. No, it's very uh, it's a fabulous occasion, not only for, for us here in New Orleans, East Cork, but we've got a lot of athletes throughout Cork who've qualified for the Olympics, and it's a, a massive achievement. And we're very proud of Aoife Cook being the first um, we, we claim her as the all athlete. Um, she's only been in Cork um, as as one of our own. Uh, she's granddaughter of the late Jack Dempsey, who was a stalwart of athletics uh, for decades in the uh, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, he actually coached myself back in the day, and uh, I think he'd be very proud of his around out to to see if uh, finally make it to the Olympics. As you say, there she she ran two twenty eight thirty six to win the Cheshire Marathon in April, which um, was an event put on especially for people to achieve qualifying times as an elite marathon. Mm. And she's now the fourth fastest Irish woman ever behind Katrina McKiernan, Fanula McCormack and Kerry May, and um, our own Sonia Sullivan, as we claim her as well, from Cork, uh, Cove woman. She's on fifth in the all-time yeah. list. So it just gives you an idea of what Aoife has achieved. And in that, in that marathon in Cheshire, I was... Uh, Amazing. She knocked four minutes off her personal best. She's in good form. She's in good shape. Um, I suppose she's had an up and down career. Um, she she started off her running career with Ballincollig Athletic Club in Cork when she was living there, and then when she moved to Yall, she uh, she competed with the Yall Athletic Club before uh, gaining a scholarship to Arkansas Tech in America, where she broke every record they had in the middle to long distance, finishing ninth in the National Collegiate Championships over there. Unfortunately, she picked up an injury and she's been out of out of the sport for a good number of years. Came back and won All-Ireland novice and All-Ireland intermediate titles, leading all teams to club victories there. And she moved up the ranks. But I think half marathon, marathon is her distance. Uh, very strong athlete. Mm. Uh, she was a joy to coach when I was coaching in the uh, athletic club here in Yall. Um, she's putting in at the moment 115 miles a week in training. Yeah. And she flew out last Sunday to... Um, to, to Utah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Utah. So she's been out there for the next eight weeks before she goes to Sapporo for the marathon on August the 7th. It's yeah. Saturday, August the 7th, but it's, it'll be middle of the night here on the Friday night for us, so we'll be all up watching it. All up watching it, yeah. We will catch up with her in Utah in the next while. She's in training camp over there, so we'll, we'll make a, an opportunity to chat with her and, and get her on the air to talk about the whole preparation from an athlete's point of view, because these are an Olympics-like no other. Not only are they a year late, but all the preparations are going to make it uh, difficult. We'll, we'll catch up with her on that. But great excitement in East Cork. And we'll, we'll catch up with more of our Olympians and their supporters over the next uh, few weeks, assuming that it all is still going to go ahead. So, Jara, thanks for being with us today. And we will catch up with Aoife Cook in the next few days. She's currently training at altitude in Utah 
in the United States and will be headed off to Sapporo in Japan in a few weeks' time to take part in the Olympics, which the marathon is the 7th of August marathon, of course, among the last couple of events of the Olympic Games. 1850-715-996. Come here, it starts Monday, and we'll be doing it here in the show and all the other daily shows as well. We have loads of new cool smart speakers to give away. It's the free speaker frenzy on Cork's 96FM. How do you take part? Well, we'll be giving out a cue to text or to WhatsApp to 0833969696 and then we'll pick someone and we'll call them back. And when we call you back, you need to say, play Cork's 96FM. And if you do, you've won a smart speaker. Simple as that. We have loads of them. Loads of them. It's the Cork's 96FM free speaker frenzy with Blackpool fully opened up. It's all great to be back. Blackpool.ie for more information. And stay listening to win from Monday. Remember, you have to answer the phone by saying, play Cork's 96FM. Actually, I watched a movie for the first time. It's out a while now, but I watched it uh, last few nights called Yesterday. It's the story of this guy who, he's a musician, um, not a particularly good one or successful one, but a musician, a dedicated one. And on his way home from a gig, he gets knocked off his bike um, by a bus and he survives the impact. But he wakes up in a kind of a parallel universe and for some reason, he is the only person in the world who remembers the Beatles and remembers all the words of the Beatles songs. Beatles are gone off the internet, they're gone out of the library book. He's the only person in the world who remembers the Beatles. So he immediately starts recording their songs, takes the credit for it, goes on a world tour, and it's a brilliantly funny little feel-good movie made up of the songs of the Beatles. It's great fun. And Ed Sheeran is in it. Ed, Ed isn't the best of actors now, to be fair, but he's playing himself, so I suppose. But it's a great film. It's well worth it. It's, you should be able to pick it up fairly easy on most of the systems now. Yesterday, it's called. Really, I really enjoyed that. Really, really enjoyed that little movie. 1850 uh, On the outdoor dining, and the video that we got... Uh, no point in, in sharing it, really. It runs for about 14, 15 minutes, but thanks to Hillary for sending it in. Um, it's about of Oliver Plunkett Street, various parts of it, last night. And what is happening is that play, people are spreading out of the organised dining areas where there are seats and parasols and properly distanced stuff and all that, as it's great to see. And they're drifting onto street corners and into the main streets. And, of course, they're bringing their own booze with them out of the off-licence and they're getting together in groups no distancing, no masks, no nothing, no precautions of any kind. And after a few drinks, they might get a bit leery. And there was a video sent in to us from that, from, from last night. But on the outdoor dining, uh, Carla says there seems to be a, there needs to be a balance. Both sides here are not being sensible. Even with the new measures, there are more concentration on making it look nice than using all the available area. We know that once the restaurants are open, they're going to try and recover all their costs. Otherwise, they could trade at a loss each day they open, and that's just not going to happen. On the other side, though, I have a friend with vision problems. She literally can't walk down the street by Oliver Plunkett Street or South Mall or all the streets in between. You need realistic outdoor seating plans that will let the outlets open and make a profit, and you need rigorous enforcement to ensure that people 
don't have mobility problems. And we had Jesse Valon on the show a few weeks ago, anticipating the opening of that. Jess works now for the NCBI and anticipating that problem and encouraging business people to call the NCBI or go on their website for, for people with sight loss and, and they will help them to organise their outdoor spaces in the streets. But that's another one. Mobility, people getting around on crutches and wheelchairs and all that. It's a problem too. But uh, thank you for that. 1850-715-996. Now, we had James Vincent McMorrow uh, in Dublin last night. We were speaking with the Everyman yesterday. We know that there is an event at the Opera House on July the 10th, one of the pilot events. Christy Moore sold out in five minutes for the INEC later this month, another pilot event. And it brings us to this week's package in Fiona's series, Cork versus COVID, because she's been visiting our cinemas and our theatres to see how they've been operating as they reopen or plan to do so. Cinemas have been welcoming back their customers this week, with Peter Rabbit 2 and Cruella the top choices for cinema goers. Gate Cinemas in Cork City, Middleton and Mallow have been experiencing a steady flow of people since opening their doors on Bank Holiday Monday, and Tracy O'Brien says it's advisable that people book online before arriving. It's been particularly strong at night, so we're really encouraging customers to pre-book their tickets. We have a limit of 50 people per screen, so it's selling out quite fast, particularly for or, um, or horror movies at night time. So when you come in, you'll if you've pre-booked, you'll have your booking reference with you. Pop up to um, a staff member, they'll get your tickets for you. We have, um, our foyers are all socially distanced also, so there's, there's plenty of space. Um, and then it's straight into your um, into the screening so you will have assigned seats so when you book your ticket if you're booking on your own there will be a certain number of seats blocked off entirely around you so that um, you will be two metres socially distanced from the next party Streaming allows us to watch all the latest movies from our homes but Tracy says it's not affecting bookings We've come back really strong we're really delighted with how busy we've been this week I think people are so used to watching stuff at home from the last few months that it's such a novelty now to come to the cinema mm. And you know what? You can't beat going to the movies and sitting in a dark room, surrounded by strangers, watching a movie on the big screen and the smell of popcorn. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I think it's it's just going to get stronger now that people had so long away from it mm-hmm. that you'll want to come back to it. Across town at the Everyman Theatre, artistic director Sophie Motley says they're not opening their doors to the public until September. We've got quite a lot of work to do to get the building ready and safe for audiences to come back in. Uh, it's been empty for a long time and a lot of our teams need to learn how to make people feel comfortable. Um, and I think we need to be able to show and tell people how they will feel comfortable when they come in to, to see something. But also, we have a number of commitments to companies that are coming in to film things and it's very difficult once you've made a decision to make something for a film to suddenly shift it and have it for a live audience. But the theatre is currently a hive of activity. We are in the lunch break of a technical rehearsal for To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf and um, we're about to start filming it in order for audiences to watch it in June a little bit later as part of the midsummer. So we've got um, our stage technicians mopping the stage um, we've got cameras set up all over the place, designers. Um, some things are being fixed, so that's the sound of the uh, of the drill that you can hear in the background. Um, and there's just general excitement because the building is full of people. I think the building might just be grinning to itself because she's been 
sat here empty in McCurtain Street for over a year and the fact that there are artists in here doing what they do is beyond exciting. Sophie says they're looking forward to a busy schedule to make up for the months they were closed. We're also planning on having an, an outdoor season of work this summer so uh, we're keen to continue to trial that uh, which is going to be at Elizabeth Fort supported by City Council. The first one of those will be uh, on or around the 22nd of July mm-hmm. so mid-July to mid-August uh, we'll have a series of different sorts of events outdoors uh, for audiences uh, in a way really for us to be able to uh, to open the doors before we open the doors. And Tracy O'Brien says the Gate Cinemas are also preparing for a busy second half of the year. So we're currently trying to plan for our Indie Cork Festival, the Cork International Film Festival and we're hoping to get our Japanese and French festivals in as well this year so it's it's a busy few months coming up. <laughs> Must say I cannot wait to get back into a cinema with the boy. We watch a lot of movies together, me and James, but we have a proper big telly and a sound bar and we like have our own little telly lounge and we have great fun there but it's nothing like a proper screen that big massive screen you know the one that takes the, the max we can't wait to go and see stuff like Fast and Furious 9 and the new James Bond which has been held back so hopefully we we'll get to see all those over the next few months can't wait to get back to the cinema 1850 quickly before we finish up today down to West Cork where the Literary Festival is underway uh, a Covid compliant Literary Festival which means an awful lot of it is online and pre-recorded and all of that but they've got workshops for teenagers right across the summer and Dave Lorden has just finished one uh, this morning Dave good morning Good morning, how's it going? Good. Our young people are interested, are they not, in, in learning to write and learning to get into the literary sphere in their own way? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's not every young person's cup of tea. Every young person has their own talent and their own interest. Uh, but there is a large proportion of young people who at least want to try out writing and to sort of experiment and see if it's for them. No, uh, there. when we say writing, we have to be kind of clear because it, it, creative writing isn't the same subject as kind of English in school, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Uh, when, you're, when you're studying English, you're kind of taking poems apart and taking stories apart. But, you know, creative writing is about putting things together. So it's kind of the o- o- opposite way of doing things. And it includes an awful lot of things that you wouldn't uh, get in secondary school. You know, for example, narrating video games. The people who script video games, they're creative writing creative writers, uh, you know, and the people who write, uh, sometimes people don't think of it, but, you know, the people who write the Netflix shows, that's creative writing, that's the biggest, probably biggest part of creative writing these days is writing for TV. Uh, And then there is, uh, you know, all sorts of things like songwriting and so on. So we, we do, though, we do uh, look at kind of the traditional genres, if you like, you know, poetry and, and fiction. But we expect we expand them out then, or try to expand them out uh, as well into kind of contemporary ways of writing, because there's lots of different ways of being being a writer and lots of different mm. ways of writing. And young people are interested in in all of them and trying them all out. You know, I think telling them that is the first step. That you know, it's not all about writing essays in school, but actually. A Netflix show needs someone to write that. Oh, uh, absolutely. A video I mean, game know, needs someone to write that. Yeah, yeah, and these are these are areas where people can actually, you know, have a, have a, have a, you know, feel like a life or a job or, you know, a, a, a career if you like. Where in the traditional, uh, uh, you know, writing genres, there, there's no such thing really, you know, uh, anymore. That's a long time ago. 
so yeah, I mean, it, it, sometimes it, young people are actually yeah, you're right. They're they're surprised to be kind of told the obvious because it's not something that is, is talked about in the in the traditional education system. Yeah, but creative writing is kind of nearly you know it's everywhere in our lives really. You know, imagine if there was no songs and no Netflix and you know no YouTube and you know no video games and no poems or anything like that. I mean, life would be a, life would be a desert, wouldn't it? You know, so yeah. So your course is running uh, across the summer, is it? Yeah, well, we're starting. That we started this morning. This morning was an introductory section. Uh, if anybody's listening and they, and they are, uh, they have a, a, a young person between the ages of fourteen and seventeen, really interested in writing and exploring, we can take on another couple, and you know, uh, no problem. So just get in touch with the with the West Cork Literary Festival about that. Uh, but it's for the, this this morning and five more Fridays. Okay. You know? All right. Well, yeah. good luck yeah. with it. And West Cork Literary Festival. Dot yeah. ie is the website if anyone wants to do that. Thank you, Dave, and good luck with that, and good luck with everybody. Uh, or to everybody involved in that festival, wonderful festival, and like everything else, COVID compliant, it absolutely has to be. But it's on, and they have a great program. You'll find it on their website, West Cork Literally Festival. Ie. Can I just ask over the weekend that we don't have any awful scenes coming in from the city? Let us hope that we've a good weekend with maybe a couple of points. And 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 night out and a bite to eat, and I sound like Daddy now. Don't have me coming in here Monday morning. Give it out. I'll probably give out anyway, but you know what I mean. Have a great weekend. The weather is going to be good, thankfully. So we keep the fingers crossed that the weekend will be as good as the weather. The program edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a good one. Enjoy the sunshine. Take pleasure from the small things. And we'll see you Monday just after nine. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 